Today on Let the Bible Speak. Does King Jesus rule in the Jerusalem or Hebron of your heart? I'll explain next on Let the Bible Speak. Thanks for joining me today. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. The many years in which King David ruled over Israel were prosperous years. Despite his faults, David was such a wonderful and successful monarch that he serves in Scripture as a type or an Old Testament picture of Christ on his throne today. David's path to the throne was not easy, however. It was a humble and frustrating beginning for David because there were those who were working against him and did not want to see him rule over Israel. They had other plans. Part of that story is found in 2 Samuel chapter 2. You may recall that Samuel long before came to the house of Jesse when David was a youth and anointed him as the next king after the death of Saul. Well, many years later, Saul did die in battle. And when David heard about it, he inquired of the Lord as to what what he then needed to do. God sent him to Hebron, where he was made king over the tribe of Judah. But beginning here in verse 8, the record tells us, But Abner, the son of Ner, commander of Saul's army, took Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, and brought him over to Menahem. And he made him king over Gilead, over the Asherites, over Jezreel, over Ephraim, over Benjamin, and over all Israel. Ishbosheth, Saul's son, was forty years old when he began to reign over Israel, and he reigned two years. Only the house of Judah followed David. And the time that David was king in Hebron over the house of Judah was seven years and six months. It took that long seven and a half years for God's appointment to finally be worked out and honored by the people and for David to be recognized as king over all the tribes of Israel as God had intended. When that time finally came, the fortunes of Israel changed and a new and a glorious chapter began to be written in the history of God's people. You'll find that things always turn out better when God's will and God's way are respected and followed. This story suggests an idea that should make every one of us stop and think, and I want to talk about that today. Our lesson will be entitled, King of All. And I'll return with our study after a song from the congregation.
When you read the book of 1 Samuel, you see the monarchy of Israel got off to a rough start. To begin with, the people were not content with God's system of rule, and they became envious of the pagan nations around them who all had kings. So they cried out to God for a king of their own, and God answered by giving them Saul. Now Saul started out all right, but he ended up an abysmal failure. His prideful arrogance, his stubborn spirit of rebellion got him in deep trouble with God, and God promised to take the throne away from him and to give it to David. And the remainder of Saul's reign was a downward spiral. You can read about that in the last half of the book of 1 Samuel and you see how Saul became so insanely jealous of David and insecure in his own position and really just about lost his mind. And he finally died an ignominious death alone and rejected by God and by Samuel and by others. Now David was the rightful heir to Saul's throne, but Abner stood in the way. Abner had other ideas. Abner, you may recall, was Saul's defense secretary, and he could not bear the thought of the throne being removed from the household of his former master. So whatever measures had to be taken, he would take them to make sure that this interloper from Bethlehem, this upstart David, would not assume control over the entire nation. Abner would just simply not allow that Johnny-come-lately to usurp the house of Saul. But this meant that he would have to put up with Saul's incompetent son Ishbosheth instead. That was the alternative. And Ishbosheth had no business being king over anything, much less God's people. But Abner figured that he could convince the elders of the tribes to make Ishbosheth a puppet king, and he could be the one behind the scenes pulling the strings and calling the shots. And so, upon the death of Saul, Abner concocts this plan and he puts it into motion, and he has Ishbosheth installed as king. The problem is that wasn't God's plan. God intended to make David king, and Abner stood in the way of that. The prophet Samuel had gone to the house of Jesse years before when David was but a youth and had anointed him to be the successor of Saul, but this didn't matter to Abner. He was determined to run the kingdom by proxy through Ishbosheth instead. Now, when David heard that Saul had died, he knew that he was supposed to be king, and so he asked God what he needed to do, where he needed to go. To his surprise and disappointment, God told him to go to the little town of Hebron and to stay there. He comes out of exile in Ziklag and he goes to Hebron and he does not find the grand coronation that perhaps he had anticipated and dreamed of. Instead, David was relegated to rule over Hebron, which was about like expecting to be made the president of the United States and instead being elected to be the mayor of some little one-stop side in town somewhere. To Abner, it was better to put up with a knucklehead like Ishbosheth, who could be controlled and manipulated, than to have to deal with this headstrong youth who had stolen the hearts of the people. So General Abner staged his successful coup and he placed Ishbosheth as his puppet king over the remaining eleven tribes. Let David rule over Hebron, he thought. Just keep him away from the rest of the nation. Well, this all created a civil war in the kingdom. Ishbosheth and his men were continually fighting against David and his men, and it was a time of divided allegiances in Israel, and it remained so for some time. And in all, it was seven and a half years before David finally became the king over all of the nation. Now, during that period of time, before David became king, Israel didn't amount to very much. For one thing, they were preoccupied with this internal war while the enemies of Israel gained in strength and remained in control in parts of the land. They were coming off the heels of Saul's demise and Saul's uh, pitiful reign, 
And uh, then they'd had all of this internal strife and conflict. But eventually the tide turned in David's direction and things all began to change. Abner and Ishbosheth had a falling out. Ishbosheth made some terrible accusations against Abner that Abner denied, and so Abner defected, and he just decided to go over to David's side. And that was the beginning of the end of Ishbosheth's reign. Abner went to David, they uh, made a covenant with one another, and uh, Abner promised David that he would convince the other tribes to anoint him as king over all of Israel, as it should have been. Well, within a short time, Abner was killed. He was killed by Joab, you may recall, as that Joab carried out a grudge against Abner that went back a little ways. And then Ishbosheth was killed. And all of that paved the way. When all was said and done, all of the other tribes came together and anointed David, and he then became the king over all of Israel. Now, I tell that story to get to this. When that happened, Remarkable things began to happen. David's ascent to his rightful throne marked a turning point in the fortunes of Israel. And suddenly defeats began turning to victories, and David began what was to be a glorious 33-year administration, in that it ushered in a golden era during which Israel became a powerful and expanding kingdom. Well, does any of that ring a bell? Does it seem familiar? Perhaps it should, because the same historic intrigue in the battle for Israel occurs every day in the battle for your soul and for mine. The story that I have just recounted really is more than ancient history. It's an ever-going drama played out on the stage of our personal lives today. Because the fact is today each one of us is ruled by one of two monarchs, either David or Ishbosheth. There is one who has been anointed king of all, and that means king of your heart, king of your mind, king of your body and soul, anointed by God himself to rule the affairs of man, and that king is Jesus, the son of David. Now, David as king is a representation of Jesus, as we've already pointed out. Both David and Jesus came out of humble beginnings in Bethlehem, both predestined by God to sit upon the royal throne. And just as God sent Samuel to duly anoint David to one day rule over his people, the Holy Spirit anointed Jesus standing in the murky waters of the River Jordan to rule over us. Now Paul later made that connection when he preached in Acts chapter 13 verses 22 and 23. When he speaks of how that when God removed Saul, he raised up from or for them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. From this man's seed, according to the promise, God raised up Israel, a Savior, Jesus. And then Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 15 called Jesus the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords. In Philippians 2, verses 9 to 11, Paul says, Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Referring to David as the king who pointed forward to Christ, Peter said in Acts 2 and verse 36 that God has made this same Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And the term Christ, the title Christ, means anointed one. God has anointed him to sit upon David's throne and to rule over all. 
David then became a type of Christ in that he was ordained to be a king, the king of Israel. And Jesus has thus been ordained to rule over all that is or ever shall be. The trouble is, if we're honest with ourselves, many of us have banished Jesus to rule over the Hebrons of our lives. We let him have control over some little corner of the kingdom of our heart while we set our Ishbosheths over the rest. Perhaps you have neatly compartmentalized your life, and there's your spiritual life, and then there's everything else. There's church and what you do from time to time on Sunday or when the circumstances of life demand so, but everything else is yours to do with as you wish. Is that the way you approach spiritual life? Is that the way you arrange your priorities in life? Is that how you see your allegiances and your desires and your affections and your aspirations and your goals, what you live for, who you obey, whom you serve? And you see, our Ishbosheths are things like our jobs, our money, position in this world, success, reputation, creature comforts, pleasure. And all those little Ishbosheths rule our time and our affections, our treasures, our bodies, and ultimately they rule our life. And you see, those Ishbosheths, they're puppets too. They're simply ways of allowing us to rule our own kingdoms and to allow Satan to control our lives instead of Jesus. We set our Ishbosheths on the thrones of things that we deem important while we keep Christ in Hebron to rule the things that don't cost us too much to give up control over. And in refusing to place the proper king on the throne of our lives, we instead coronate our own self-wills, our Ishbosheths, who have no right to rule at all in our lives, become a weak and a divided kingdom, a kingdom of divided allegiances, a life of inner spiritual conflict, a life of compromises, a life of feckless, fruitless, and foundering faith. Jesus said, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the other, or loyal to the one and despise the other. But in reality, how many of us try to live in a divided kingdom? And consequently, the reason we fail in the Christian life, and the reason that so many live powerless lives over the world, over sin, over the desires of the flesh, over the devil, is because we have not made Jesus king of all. It was not until the death of Ishbosheth that David was allowed to take control over all of Israel, which ushered in that nation's golden age. But when Ishbosheth was killed and David was enthroned, the fortunes of Israel were changed, and what was a weakened and failing people became a powerful and a sovereign nation. And stronghold after stronghold and enemy after enemy began to fall when David became king of all. And friend, when we recognize Jesus as king of all, strongholds will fall in our own lives. There were at least three important things that took place when David was finally acknowledged and submitted to as king over all of Israel. And in principle, these same things will take place in your life when you bow to Jesus as king. Uh, David's first order of business as the new king was to establish Jerusalem as his seat of power. Now, the city, you may remember, was under the control of the Jebusites. It seemed almost impossible to take that city, but David was determined to do it, and he issued a challenge to his people saying that whoever could take the city would become his second in command. And so his nephew Joab, a mighty warrior, a cunning military strategist, he stepped forward and he volunteered to do the job. And with an ingenious plan to get inside the city and take it, Joab carried out that plan and the city of the Jebusites fell to David 
And David moved in and he made Jerusalem his capital, and it remained so for the better part of a thousand years. Now David chose Jerusalem because it was central to the tribes. And Christ wants to be at the center of your life. David couldn't really rule over all of Israel from his former throne down in Hebron. He wanted to be in the center of his people. And it's the same way with Jesus. His rule must emanate from the very heart of your being. And if you and if I coronate him as king of our all and king of our life, he's going to establish his throne in the very throne room of our heart where he can have absolute rule of all around it. As the wise man said, it is from the heart that come all of the issues of life. And so Jesus wants to rule your heart. By the way, the name of Jerusalem, the city of David, is quite interesting. It means peace. And the rule of Christ is about bringing peace to the hearts of men. And the sad fact is many believers don't really know peace within. They're plagued with inner strife and turmoil because they've not surrendered all to Christ. And He has not set up His throne in the center of their heart, in the center of their being, to rule over all. The Bible says in 2 Samuel chapter 5, verses 9 and 10, that once He took the city of the Jebusites, He dwelt in the stronghold and called it the city of David. And David built all around from the millow and inward. So David went on and became great, and the Lord God of hosts was within him. And you're going to find the power of Jesus Christ is going to emanate from your life and it's going to grow and you're going to become stronger and stronger and stronger in the Lord when you first decide that Jesus is going to be recognized in your life as the king over everything and not just Hebron. Now the second thing David did as king was to conquer the enemy Philistines. That was a priority. The Philistines were an aggressive and warmongering nation who antagonized God's people for generations. And they were one of the fiercest and most unrelenting enemies David or Israel ever faced. So once David became king over a united people, the Philistines knew that that meant trouble for them. And so they immediately set in to try and destroy David and his new kingdom. And when you submit to Jesus as king, the darts and arrows of hell are going to be hurled at you. But David turned them back, and as his kingdom grew and expanded, he finally brought them under control and he completed his conquest. Well, that's what will happen when you decide to acknowledge Jesus as the king of all in your own life too. And you'll never win against the wiles of the devil and against the desires of the flesh and against the pull of the world until you put Christ in charge. And when you fully surrender to him, you'll find the strongholds of Satan began to fall one by one in your heart and in your life. James 4 and verse 7 says, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Ephesians 6 and verse 11, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Just as David led the people to victory over their physical enemies, King Jesus will lead you to victory over those things that war against the soul. And then third, David made Jerusalem a place for God to dwell and be worshipped. Having secured the city and cleansed it of the wickedness that had controlled it, David's third order of business was to bring the Ark of the Covenant there and eventually to see a house built there for God to dwell in. Now, the Ark of the Covenant was where God manifested His presence among the people. It was a sacred and a holy object because it represented the very presence of God Himself. And so he was going to take back the ark and bring it to the city. And when that finally happened, David rejoiced and the people worshipped and eventually a beautiful temple was built and the ark placed within it. 
You know, the Bible tells us that in years to come, when that all took place and when that temple was dedicated, that the Shekinah glory of God filled it and became the glorious city of God and the temple and place where God's presence was found and where He was worshipped. You know, God wants you to be a temple. God wants to dwell in your heart through faith. 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 16 says, For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Romans 12 and verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And when Jesus takes His throne in the middle of your heart, sin is driven out, God moves in, He dwells there, and our lives become a holy temple of service and an altar of praise and sacrifice to Him. I ask today, has Jesus moved into your heart as King? Have you truly surrendered control to Him as the King of all? Or have you relegated Him to the minor Hebrons of your heart? I stand
Subscribe to our YouTube channel to see all of our past broadcasts, plus extra videos including Let the Bible Speak classics all the way back to the 1960s. And get new updates, go to YouTube and search for Let the Bible Speak TV. The Lord Jesus does not reign as king today because we have made him king. God made him king. He anointed him as king and has set him at his right hand to rule over all. The question before us today is do we submit to, do we surrender to him and yield to him as king? I hope you've done that. If you've not, then I hope you're ready to surrender your life to him in its totality, in gospel obedience. If you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, the anointed one of God, that he came to this earth and died for your sins and rose again and now reigns on high, if you believe that and are willing to put your faith and your trust in him, Will you not make the decision right now, today, to turn your back on the life of sin and self that you've lived and yield to Him and begin by obeying the gospel and confessing Him before men and immediately being baptized in water to have your sins washed away? Acts 22 verse 16, Acts 2 and verse 38. We would be glad to assist you in taking those steps and entering into Christ and into His kingdom and beginning a life of service to the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. If you'd like a copy of our lesson today, a printed transcript, we'll be glad to send it to you. When you get in touch with us, please specify the lesson, King of All, and we'll be glad to get that on its way. And again, no charge to you at all. Thank you for joining us for Let the Bible Speak today. Be sure to follow us on social media, Facebook, as well as subscribe to our YouTube pay, our YouTube channel, I should say. Just search for Let the Bible Speak TV, and our website is ltbstv.org. Thanks for joining me today. I hope you have a wonderful week ahead. And if the Lord wills, I'll look forward to meeting you back here for another Bible study next time. Until then, God bless. Let the Bible Speak is brought to you by The Church of Christ. For more information, including our past broadcast and sermon transcripts, visit ltbstv.org. Thanks for being with us today. Join us next time for Let the Bible Speak.